3: everyone. Welcome to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland where the Indians are taking on the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. A week highlighted by the major news of a name change for the Indians as it is official now at the conclusion of the 2021 season. The Indians will become the Cleveland Guardians. Later on in our show, we'll hear from Indians outfielders Daniel Johnson and Bradley Zimmer, as well as James Harris, the Indians vice president of player development. We will also visit with Brian Barron, who's the Indians president of business operations, on how the team arrived at the new name. But first, last night, Friday night, the Indians were playing Tampa Bay, and Indians owner Paul Dolan stopped by to talk to Tom Hamilton about the name change.
2: We are pleased to be joined by Indians and future Guardians owner, Paul Dolan. It's the first time as... I've
4: heard that, Tom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do we start with that now? <laughs> you know, Paul, it's a historic day. But I know for you personally, having grown up in this town, changing the name wasn't easy for you, was no, it? No,
4: clearly not. I mean, I, as you suggested, I grew up here. I've been an Indian all my life. So, you know, I kind of get why people it, aren't. Some people maybe not be crazy about, and, and so for <clears throat> for a lot of people, it's going to take a while to get used to, um, and uh, I fully understand that. But um uh, I think it's a name that ultimately everybody will embrace.
2: You had what over two thousand names you yeah. sifted through?
4: Yeah, I think there, was, I think it was twelve hundred. Was uh, no, maybe it was two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't go through the two thousand. <laughs> Somebody else did that. The list was a lot shorter when I got involved. <laughs>
2: I think the important thing there, too, on the names, there was fan input, correct, with the name, the colors, and a lot of other things?
4: Tom, there was massive fan input. We we, we put out surveys. I think we got survey results from 40,000 people in in the area. Our team spent about 150 hours talking to fans and other stakeholders, so in the focus groups, there was an intense amount of engagement with fans.
2: Did you find out from the fans certain things that were more important to them?
4: No question. I mean, they wanted to see something that kind of related, first of all, to the community. They wanted something that was, like, uniquely Cleveland. They wanted some reflection of our history, you know, and our presence here. And um, we think that's where we, you know, that led us to Guardians.
2: What about, I understand team colors were important, which that was kind of surprising to me.
4: Yeah, there was a strong desire, and I fully understand it, that's kind of how I felt too to have a sense of continuity that mm-hmm. it wasn't that big a break from what we've done in the past and you know, with Indians and you know <clears throat> that led to ironically Guardians in terms of letters is not that far from Indians Indian. uh, and then with the script Guardians it looks a lot like the script Indians and the colors were really important um, that to, and so I think what you'll see next year when the team comes out to play it'll look a lot like the team that's on the field right now
2: when do we become the
4: Guardians. Yeah, good question. Uh, I think after the uh, end of this season, mm-hmm. we will sort of officially become the Guardians. Uh, and uh, you know, it'll take a while to convert everything. I mean, you look around the ballpark, and I mean, there are, I remember over a thousand different places where we have Indians or, or Just in, the ballpark. in the ballpark. And think about what we've got all around the community and what our sponsors have, and anybody has oh. got a relationship with us. So, And then. Arizona and Dominican Republic where we have facilities um, So there's a lot of work to be done to make us the guardians in, in, in practice
2: You know you bring up the changes. I mean right now we're in the second inning. There's no scores You look out at the mammoth scoreboard and video board above the bleachers and Script Indians which has been up there since the park open How long does that take to take down to put up guardians?
4: Well, if they ask me to do it, it'll never change like that. But uh, uh, that that looks like a monumental task. But I'm sure that uh, we have people who are up up to it.
2: And Paul, it isn't just a, a simple case of okay, we want to be the guardians. There there was a lot of background work on that oh, too, right? Yeah. From a I mean, legal the, standpoint.
4: I mean, the process. I mean, it, it's really impressive what our team was able to do to go from December when we made the decision uh, to uh, search for another name to but it's july 23rd where we're announcing it that's that's an extraordinary pace to be able to get everything lined up you know when when you think about it um there aren't too many words in english language that somebody doesn't own in some mm-hmm. shape or form and so to find a name that we consider to be a major league baseball name that our community wants based upon the survey work we did uh, and then we can actually control um it's a big arduous process but our team did a great job getting that done and getting it done timely
2: I hope folks have seen the video that was literally put together not by Hollywood but by the Cleveland Indians front office that was
4: done entirely by our team Uh, again they did an extraordinary job Um, if you haven't seen it you know just fans go see it because it really really tells in a short period of time the kind of our story um, and and if you don't know, it was narrated by Tom Hanks, and and I mean I don't know there's anybody in America that's got a better voice and more wow. you know sort of more beloved in some respects than 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 him.
2: How in the world do you get Tom Hanks well, to agree to do a voiceover on a video?
4: He he has been a longtime friend of the organization. He's a big Cleveland Indians fan, and so when we reached out to him um, to do it, he was more than happy to do it. Uh, My understanding is um, that he was very, very helpful and very willing to do it. In fact, he was on vacation in Greece, and he um, spent a lot of time getting it done. Um, And then we got an email from him today telling us he has guardian fever now, (laughs) uh, which we're hoping is (laughs) going to become a pandemic.
2: (laughs) That is incredible to have Tom Hanks a part of this, and of course for people that don't realize, in his amateur career when he was trying to get to – whatever hollywood broadway he was doing yeah. summer theater here in cleveland yeah i in the think 70s. he started
4: his acting career at the great lakes uh, theater festival yeah. and while there um, would go down to old municipal stadium and uh, and and for whatever reason i think he grew up in oakland but for whatever reason he had an attachment to the indians and I, we weren't all that good back then <laughs> um, but uh, nonetheless he liked the experience and and he has been a longtime friend of the organization since then
2: that's pretty incredible and again folks say i i'm not a social media guy but i know you can get it on well you would know what twitter what else you're, you're asking you the wrong Snapchat. guy down. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's an incredible video and it's so many people I, I know you can't name them all but countless hours put into this i mean this is something paul you and your family took very seriously it, it was a big decision yeah. to change the name and and Maybe a bigger one to come up with a new name?
4: Well, certainly the decision to abandon the name you know, has to rank as the biggest decision we've made in our 22 years owning the franchise because it would be the biggest decision in the history of any franchise in this day and age. I mean, there was a time when names changed pretty mm-hmm. frequently, but certainly now. Um, and it wasn't one that we took lightly as anybody kind of watched us over those 22 years, um, you know, we were we were very slow about Chief Wahoo, and I actually said, after we got rid of Chief Wahoo, that um, I had no intention of, of doing anything about the name Indians. And you learn, yeah. you know, the world changes, and you learn, and you react to that. And I, you know, coming off the events of the last year, and then the opportunity to talk to a lot of people in the community, um, and a lot of people across the country, particularly representatives of Native American groups, I came to an understanding that. It wasn't really the right thing that we were doing with the name, and it was clear that not only was it the right thing to get to, to change it, but it was also the right thing for the organization because it was we were headed down a rather divisive path if we mm-hmm. stayed on the course, and this will give us a chance to avoid those kind of conflicts and ultimately have a name that everybody
2: can rally around. I thought you said it perfectly. The memories you had as an Indians fan, they don't go away. No, no. nor do you want them. To. No,
4: no. I mean it's a, uh, you know. You know, whether whether it, for me, whether it's Rocky Calavito or Jim Tomy or whoever, those are Indians. Yep. And and they're part of our history and heritage. The statues that are outside the ballpark um, of Jim Tomy and Lou Boudreau and others that say Indians across. That's our that's our heritage. We we still embrace that.
2: What's next, Paul? I mean, I guess all the design work and all of that is done. All right?
4: that's done, and we released it all to Nike. That. Uh, that does the uniforms and the merchandise oh. and so it, w- that process is now starting we couldn't we didn't we didn't get that started until we made the announcement and we didn't mm-hmm. want to get because we didn't want to frankly we want we wanted to tell the story rather than there be a leak and yeah. the story comes out in ways that we can't control because really th- we think that video tells the story as well yeah. as anything we want to get that out but but now that now that we've made the announcement machinery's in place to get all the get the all the merchandise done, all the manufacturing that has to be done, so that by next year, you know, <clears throat> the team on the field and in the in across in the ballpark and anywhere else you can sell um, can, can sell Guardians merchandise.
2: Well, Paul, congratulations! It was an eventful day, a, a job well done by so many people in this organization, and, and a proud day for the franchise. Thank
4: you. I, I think it will be seen as that uh, someday, and and, and uh, we but we look we think we're feeling a good spot for the
3: organization.
2: And you'll get us our first T-shirts when? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully
3: soon. Good stuff there from Tribe owner Paul Dolan and uh, Tom Hamilton during the game on Friday night talking about the name change and uh, some of the nuts and bolts of how it came about and the important parts on the business end of it. We'll hear about that from Brian Barron, the Indians president of business operations, when we return after this.
0: With round-the-clock protection at a great price, your Progressive policy works the way it's supposed to, unlike this unenthusiastic hype man.
3: Okay, everybody, let's make some noise. Put your
5: hands up. We're not, it's your call. Here we go now, here we go.
0: Switch to Progressive today.
1: It is electric in here. Progressive
0: Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
3: Jim Rosenhouse back with you on Tribe Talk presented by Progressive. We're at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland this weekend as the Indians take on the Tampa Bay Rays Saturday night and also Sunday afternoon and the big news on Friday, the Indians will change their name from Indians to Cleveland Guardians at the conclusion of the 2021 season. Brian Barron is the Indians President of Business Operations and uh, boy, you talk about a group that was tasked with a major undertaking and uh, Brian talks about how that group arrived at the
5: name Guardians. Thanks, Rosie. So, We arrived here by following a pretty detailed three-step process. The first one was, should we move away from Indians? And that was a yes, no question. If the answer had been no, we would have stopped. With the answer being yes, the second bucket of work was, what should we move to? And the third phase is, how do we bring that to life? Today was really the first day of how we bring it to life, is show our new word mark, our new letter mark, our new logo publicly so guardians and our evolution and our our diamond C moving forward and our new you know fastball G logo are exciting to get out into a public domain and they actually represent the start of that third phase where lots and lots of details to get the ballpark ready and all of the things that happen off the field as well as the on field uniform and gear really kicks into high gear. Your background before you joined the Indians was was in
3: big business, Kroger down in Cincinnati. And there's other people on the staff who have that background in the business world, not necessarily on the sports side. Why was that helpful in this situation when you're, you're coming up with a new name and brand for a sports team?
5: It was really helpful, Rosie, because folks like Alex King and Jason Wiedemann, Nikki Schmidt, have worked in consumer products, uh, have worked in consulting, and they've seen big billion dollar brands in different industries that go through change and many big brands go through change through the course of the life of that brand you need to be really thoughtful as you play with different attributes of a brand so that you don't lose loyal supporters of that brand and at the same time you recognize that change is important to keep a brand relevant over the long haul so we had some folks that had a lot of experience outside the industry that were able to bring it into professional sports where there's a natural affinity emotionally to, to local team names, and people love their teams. And Cleveland's no different than any other market in that front.
3: Brian Barron joining us, Indians president of baseball operations. And we're talking about the team name for the Indians. Uh, going forward will be the Guardians, and starting in 2022, uh, more than 1,100 candidates that that filtered through any that you look back on and you say man that would have been interesting had
5: we gone down that road (laughs) so there were 1,198 potential options and uh, yes there were many that in the process of kind of winnowing down how do you go from you know 1,200 names to to a dozen to five to three to one Uh, we look for a couple of things and this may sound simple but we wanted a major League baseball name. Uh, we wanted a name that, that actually we felt would would represent Cleveland in a genuine and authentic way, uh, and we feel Guardians does does that in, in a very meaningful way. We wanted to respect the deep tradition of major League baseball here in history, so when you start to to see things like maintaining our team colors, it truly is a tip of the hat to a long heritage of the red, white, and navy here in Cleveland with Major League Baseball teams, and and that's an important piece of continuity as we look forward.
3: What's next now? What would be next on the agenda after you get through? I mean, this would be the major hurdle, but uh, I imagine now there's
5: a ton of work ahead. There is a ton of work ahead, so now we really do kick into the mode of how do we bring this new brand to life, and all of the operational things that would happen inside the ballpark, off the field, and frankly some things on the field. When you think about looking at any one of our broadcasts and you see script Indians back behind home plate, as tactical as that is, that obviously will be different next year on opening day. But there are literally thousands of things in the ballpark that we'll need to convert over at the end of the 2021 season. There are a lot of things that the players wear So a lot of the authentic gear from a Major League Baseball standpoint, that process of getting artwork and files and beginning to see how the logo and the letter mark and the word mark look and how they can actually be designed on different materials are all very tactical things in long lead time supply chains that we need to work through with a lot of our suppliers.
3: Uh, it's an exciting time to be sure, and I know uh, a lot of hard work by a lot of people went into today and then going forward, and Brian, we appreciate the time today. Thank you. Thanks, Rosie. That's Indians President of Business Operations, Brian Barrett. Stay tuned. More to come after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
1: We are trying to be the most respectful we can, and it's not about us. It's about other people, and you have to step outside of your own skin and think about other people that may have different color skin and what they're thinking. And we're trying to be extremely respectful, and I'm really proud of our organization.
3: Swung on, and there's a high fly ball. That's hit to deep center.
2: Way back. Home run, Johnson.
3: And the Indians are back in front. 3-2 Tribe, and the big day for Daniel Johnson close to home continues. His first major league home run, and it comes at the Oakland Coliseum. The ballpark he grew up watching Major League Baseball in. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland where the Indians are playing the Rays on Saturday night at 7:10, and then Sunday at 1:10. off day Monday. Then the Cardinals come to town for a brief two-game series Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon. And then the Indians will hit the road once again, but a the homestand against good ball clubs once again. And in the Indians outfield, a lot of playing time going recently to Daniel Johnson, who's just up from the minor leagues. On Sunday in Oakland, he hit his first major league home run, hit another one on Friday night in a pinch hitting roll at the end of the game, and we had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week and talk about that first major league home run, why it was so special, but also why it was uh, just good to get that first home run out of the way in any circumstance.
6: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, nice, you know, get that first one out of the way. Now, you know, just go out there and play. And
3: you do it at the Oakland Coliseum. Explain to the fans why is that doubly special, not just to hit your first major league home run, but do it there.
6: Uh, you know, as a kid growing up, I'm from Oakland, California. So, uh, you know, uh, being from there, yes, I always be at go to the games when I was a little kid, you know, sitting in the stands. Um, but now to play there and get in between those lines, you know, I hit my first home run there with my family there. It was just like icing on the cake. It's a blessing.
3: You mentioned going there. T- take us back. How old were you, and and, and who would go to these games, and, and how would you get there? All that kind of good stuff.
6: I was back in elementary school, and I used to go to the games. Me and my cousins, a group of four or five of us, would you know take the bART a couple exits down, and you know go to the games.
3: Why baseball? Why was that uh, so much fun for you?
6: Uh, we used to like to go to the games, honestly. You know, uh, it was the only one that we could really go to that was like pretty much safe. Like you know, we couldn't go to like the Bass the games; There was too many people, too much going on. So the A's were like you know a safe environment for us to go at that time.
3: And did you have some favorites on, on those clubs? Uh, Jermaine Dial was a big fan of. So uh, you come back up this time around, and, and I've talked to Bobby Bradley about it and some others, that you, you come up that first time and it can be an adjustment, and then each time you come back it seems like it's a little bit easier. Are you finding that? And if so, what are some of the areas where you feel like you've made some adjustments to have success?
6: Uh, really, it's just it's just adjusting the, from the minor leagues to the big leagues, you know. Each, coming up each time, you kind of get more more comfortable, you know, playing up here. And then getting you know, those, you know, constant uh, starts each day. You know, playing every day, you get even more and more comfortable. So, you know, as I keep going and keep playing, I, you know, I get more and more adjusted.
3: And at the plate, it seems like you have some good success when when you're using the whole field. I know, obviously, you hit one deep yesterday. But is that a big key, too, to, to try not do too much sometimes at the plate?
6: Yes, for sure. It always is, you know. just want to, you know. Be yourself, you know, play your, play your game that you played, you know, before you even got here. You know, um, simplify everything, you know, use the whole field and let your, let your tools work for you. The
3: home run was obviously a, a thrill, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but two big plays defensively in the outfield. And, and how much pride do you take in your defense and how much work do you do to, to be a good defensive outfielder?
6: Uh, I take much pride I do hitting, you know, I, uh, it's equal. Um, I work, you know, day in, day out with Huddy, um, the outfield coach, you know, uh, getting adjusted to certain fields I haven't played at, you know, just ground balls every day, fly balls, you know, just you know, making sure I'm always on my toes out in the outfield.
3: Did you have to do much adjusting in Oakland, or did you know that like the back of your hand because um, of growing up there?
6: I mean, it, it was looking at it was nice, but like going out there and actually like planting, I'm like, yo, this is kind of different. Like it's, it's not what I expected it to be. So it was, it was, had a lot of dimensions to it. So I had to definitely get adjusted to it.
3: And some nice wins for the team. You come up recently. How closely do you follow what's going on up here so that when you get here, you can hit the ground running and, and feel a part of it?
6: Oh, we, we know we watch all the games when we can down in AAA. Um, we always have the games on. we usually play at like different times sometimes, so they always have the games on while our games on, so you know, we're always following each day.
3: And the, the feeling this weekend a really good series win for the Tribe against a good ball club in Oakland, and, and you're a big part of that. A lot of young players had a big part in that, and, and how satisfying is that? with some other players kind of in the same position as you trying to make their way in the big leagues?
6: It's nice, you know. It's definitely nice to be able to contribute to a team win like that, you know, especially when it's uh, a handful of guys who are also contributing, doing uh, big things, big plays, big hits. You know, it makes it even better.
3: And uh, family-wise, was it hard to leave yesterday when the team came to Houston?
6: Oh, yeah, a little bit. There 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 was so many of them I hadn't seen in so long, so it was definitely nice to see them, though, for sure. I'll be seeing them again.
3: All right, Daniel, thanks a lot for coming by. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's Indians outfielder Daniel Johnson getting a nice opportunity for some playing time here in recent games. Bradley Zimmer has been just about the full-time center fielder for the Indians in that outfield for a while now. He was called up about a month and a half ago and has been getting regular playing time in center. He swung the bat very well on the most recent road trip to Oakland and Houston, including a leadoff home run last Sunday. And we talked to him about that. Uh, during the road trip had a chance to visit with him over in houston and uh, we discussed hitting in that leadoff spot which has been a rarity for him but kind of fun and the opportunity uh, presented itself in a nice way when he hit that leadoff home run in oakland last sunday
7: um yeah i found out late uh kind of just before the game i didn't even check the lineup i was just assuming you know it was was normal and demarler came up to me and he's like hey you you good and i was like yeah what do you mean he's like you good with being that high and I'm like what and I looked at the lineup and he's like yeah and I'm like all right let's go so um you know like I said you know being in the leadoff spot you set the tone you get on base you have good at bats for the guys behind you so um you know that was my goal and ended up having a pretty good game
3: some leadoff hitters like to see a pitch or two to kind of settle in a little bit but you didn't wait around And, and was that the idea going up there if you saw a good
7: one go ahead and have at it yeah, definitely. I was looking for a pitch out over the plate and to put a good swing on it.
3: Lately, it seems like it's starting to come around for you results-wise.
7: Uh, but have you felt pretty
3: good for a while and
7: better at the plate? Definitely, yeah. It's just relaxation and just being comfortable again.
3: And when you say that, how do you get to that point? Of if you're going through a tough stretch where you're where you're not where you want to be at this stage of your career, what's allowed you to get there?
7: It's just it's just confidence, knowing that. Um, you know, one bad game or bad isn't going to dictate the rest of your game or week, whatever it may be. Is it is it hard to think that
3: way, especially if, when you're in a situation where you want to go ahead and prove that that you deserve that playing time that you're getting now?
7: Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, regardless of the results, you want to be your best every day. So, you know, I still have a long way to go, and um, you know, I'm looking to get better every day.
3: Fun weekend for the team, and and I'm sure. There's some thought you could have swept the, the, the series against Oakland and, and certainly some good close games, and, and you take two out of three against a good ball club. Uh, what was, what's the feeling around this team being such a young team to, to be able to play good, tight baseball in close games?
7: Um, it's, you know, it's a different clubhouse. We have uh, leaderships different, so it takes everybody you know from top to bottom, from our lineup to our pitching staff, and everyone's kind of been pulling their weight, so that's how we're going to win games. You were, you were
3: here for a lot in 2017, and how different is it for you uh,
7: when you come up now and, and see some of the different faces? Um, it, it is different, for sure. Um, it, the, the, the locker room, I think, is definitely the, the, the biggest change for me. Um, just because it's younger, we don't have as many veterans. Um, but I, I like it. I, I truly do um, you know, really like this team. Everyone is, is awesome and, and um, can, has been contributing. So it's been fun so far. Is
3: there something to be said for, for sharing some of those experiences with players who maybe are at the, a similar stage in their career or, or going some thing, through some things that maybe you have?
7: For sure, yeah. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to play with this guy here, Mr. Brantley, and, um, you know, having guys that are older and, um, you know, have had that experience. Um, and can kind of shed a light on on guys that are younger and, and kind of need that guidance is huge.
3: When you look at the season, uh, a lot of times players get to this point in the season, especially after a year ago where for a lot of players they didn't play a whole lot of games. How are you holding up in terms of, of a long season, dog days, all that kind of stuff yeah. as you head into the month of July here?
7: Yeah, you, you it's you just kind of get used to playing with, with soreness and aches and pains and um it just becomes normal, so um, we are getting to the dog day, so I'm sure it'll, it'll wear on us a little more.
3: Well, great day yesterday for you. I'm sure that helps, but uh, keep it rolling. Thanks. Thank you, yeah. That's Bradley Zimmer, Indians outfielder, and uh, he's looking to keep it going in a real positive direction both at the plate and defensively. Made another really nice catch in Friday night's game against Tampa Bay. Well, for the Indians, all of their draft picks who were selected in the recent draft right around the all-star break have reported just about all of them to their uh, training site in Goodyear Arizona the spring training site which also serves as a year-round spot for player development so their first days in the uh, professional baseball world have begun. when we come back we'll talk about that with James Harris the Indians vice president of player development stay tuned more to come after this Bradley Zimmer to lead things off today as Cesar Hernandez gets a rare day off for the Tribe. He digs in from the left side, bassets into the line. Here's today's first pitch. Swung on and driven up the alley. Deep right center, home run, Bradley Zimmer. On the first pitch of the game, the Indians take the lead. How about that? Bradley Zimmer with a home run here Friday night. His first of the season, and he backs it up with a home run to get it started today.
0: You went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates national average savings by new customer surveyed who saved in 2019.
3: Welcome back to Tribe Talk presented by Progressive, our final segment from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And don't forget, always a lot of ways to pick up our show each week. Of course, you can do it on the Indians Radio Network when it airs, usually uh, an hour or two prior to the Tribe game, whenever that may be, on a Saturday. You can also go to Indians.com. All the archived editions are there as well. Or pick it up as a podcast uh, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Well, the Indians uh, selected 21 players in the just completed amateur draft. That was right around the All-Star break. And uh, most have signed and are in camp now out in Goodyear and, and getting their pro careers started. And we visited with James Harris, the Indians' vice president of player development, earlier this week. He's been out in Arizona as a part of that process to get those new players into the system and uh, build that foundation. And he talked about what those first days as professional ballplayers are like for the recently drafted players.
8: Yeah, it's gone, gone great so far. Um, guys have come in. We've moved them into the apartments. We're starting to introduce who we are as an organization and learn more about them, and they learn more about us.
3: And it's a little bit older class in general, it seems, as opposed to maybe some other years. And, of course, the draft has really changed considerably over the past couple of years. But do you do some things differently since – so many of these recently drafted players are college drafted players?
8: Yeah, slightly different, maybe in how we present the information. So the, a lot of the information that's coming is not something they've never seen before, but we don't take for granted that they know anything. So we start from the very beginning, uh, very similar to John Wooden, if you may have heard of how to put your, your cleats on. Uh, we might not go that far, but we definitely are starting from the beginning to make sure everybody's on the same page.
3: And for that foundation, what would be the, the early things that you try and do with them, especially since it's mainly pitching that was drafted this year?
8: Yeah, it is mainly pitching, but we, we are still focusing on how to take care of their body, um, who we are as a culture, um, the types of things that we, we feel that are going to make them successful. The fact that no matter where they drafted, we still have the same goal, which is for them to help us win the World Series and how they can go about going doing their work every single day to lead towards that goal
3: and james i know you, you try and do some different things we talked before the break about building that foundation and those players had a chance to hear from manager terry francona the the big league manager checked in and what was his message to them and how impressed were you with with how they received that and, and some of the
8: things that he had to say yeah definitely the highlight of the day um number one we're in, we're in the middle of the major league season trying to win a world series in cleveland and he found it valuable enough to start these guys career off on the right step to take some time out of his day to, to speak to them and in that process be able to dig in on the things that are important as they start their careers was invaluable i mean they they heard from a hall of fame future hall of famer and uh, guys are really excited to do that
3: and i'm sure uh, many of them probably want to get out there and and compete right away it's it's what they do it's what they're used to doing things are a little bit different though with the timing of the draft and um, how is it different this year in terms of getting certain pitchers out there to, to be able to compete at a certain level, maybe in a game situation at some point in time?
8: Yeah, with the draft being a little bit later, a lot of the players that we drafted haven't haven't pitched in over a month. Now, some of them have thrown some bullpens. We have a guy who was thrown in the Cape Cod League. Um, but a majority of them we have to ramp up safely. So w- what that means is, is we're going to gradually increase their workload so we can get them up to a game workload. And then from there, decide where they go, whether that be an affiliate or to pitch in a fall league or um, to just throw bullpens and live VPs.
3: And that that instructional league in the fall, uh, could that be a little more interesting than than maybe it normally is because of of the setup and and the timing of the draft this year?
8: Yeah, and I believe that other teams are going through the same things that we're going going through, where they want to wrap their players up in a safe way as possible. So we've reached out to other teams like the Reds, the Dodgers, the White Sox and maybe we'll be able to come together to play some games here in Arizona uh, in the fall. All
3: right, James, and we'll let you go on this here. You're out in Arizona. We always like to check in our temperature gauge as we do this interview. How how are we looking out there? How hot?
8: (laughs) Well, What's crazy is my rental car stopped at 110, and I don't know because it's 110 outside or it just doesn't go any hotter than that, but it's pretty warm out here. All
7: right.
3: We'll take 110 and go from there. (laughs) James, thanks so much for checking and appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Love doing it. It's James Harris, Indians' vice president of player development, and that'll do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. As always, thanks so much to Brian Matze for all of his help in putting together our show each week. We'll join you next week when the team is on the road in Chicago for another edition of Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks so much for listening.
1: We are a city on the rise, forging into the future from our ironed out past. We are a city of fire and water, of trees and towers, built through generations of blue collars and the brightest scholars, and all of those who have worked harder. We hold tight to our roots and set our sights on tomorrow. And this is our team, that has stood with our city for more than a century, from old municipal to Carnegie. A team that has seen its own progress and prosperity. Its history flows like the river through the heart of this city. The history that has given us miraculous moments, moments that spanned years and others in 22 games, moments that broke barriers and moments that broke hearts, moments that prove this is more than a game. We remember those moments as we move forward with change. You see, it has always been Cleveland that's the best part of our name. And now it's time to unite as one family, one community, to build the next era for this team and this city, to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest, to come together and welcome all who want to join us. We are loyal and proud and resilient we protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. Tribe
2: Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive. Helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance.